Hello, and welcome to the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast, brought to you by the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calicoon, New York. This month at the Kitchen Table Cafe is their September month of giving. For every drip of coffee, they will give 25 cents. For every bubble tea, they'll give 50 cents. For every bagel sale, 25 cents. For every eggs over the meadow, 50 cents. For every vegan sandwich, a dollar. For every chicken sandwich, 50 cents. And all tips on Tuesday and Thursday will also be donated. And all proceeds this month will go to the Western Sullivan Public Library on Main Street in Calicoon. I'm managing editor Joe Abraham, and here are this week's top stories. Housing has been an issue county officials have been intent on addressing. The county recently contracted with CZB LLC, a Virginia-based urban planning and community development firm to assist in developing a comprehensive housing strategy. During last Thursday's Health and Human Services Committee meeting, Deputy Commissioner of Planning, Community Development and Real Property Jill Wire and Division of Health and Human Services Commissioner John Little presented the draft study, which focuses on four key findings to legislators and members of the public. The first is that the county is not one housing market, but there are at least four distinct markets. The study reports that distressed housing and concentrated poverty in the core villages of the county are a constraint on those villages, but also a challenge for the county as a whole. It also stated that high shares of seasonal units in the outer core and rural north slash west part of the county pose growing risks to market stability, that there are fewer risks in the south slash east part of the county due to commuter appeal. Furthermore, mobile homes were found to be a significant source of affordable housing beyond the core villages. The second key finding of the draft study is that home prices in Sullivan County, which have risen an average of 38% since the start of 2020, are still, quote, broadly affordable and reflect, quote, significant liabilities and challenges. Potential vulnerabilities for home ownership market going forward, according to the study, are the large inventory of homes that need significant work, low job densities, location liabilities, few schools with above average ratings, and that villages have limited marketability. This led into the third key finding, which is that rental housing is in short supply, especially units in good condition. This is causing what Little calls a, quote, compression towards the middle. He explained that families with two middle-class incomes are taking rentals that are probably below what they could afford because that's what's available. What that's doing is driving up rent prices for folks on the lower end that normally would be going into those kinds of units, said Little, adding that it's also hurting the people that county serves in social services. While we were able to help a lot of folks in the studios and one-bedroom units, what we're seeing is two- and three-bedroom units for a family group of five people gets much more difficult, Little continued. So this is one of the things that they caught in the study that we're working to address. The fourth and final finding is that without subsidy, new housing is not affordable for households earning less than $75,000 a year. They also conducted an online survey as part of the study and had over 400 responses. It found that transportation slash utility costs, property taxes, and blight ranked highest when survey takers were asked from a list which housing issues impacted them personally. Furthermore, 66% of respondents agree that significant local interventions are needed to address high-impact housing issues. For the full story on the study, go to scdemocratonline.com. Switching gears, after over two and a half years without a current contract, the county and Teamster Local 445's main unit have come to an agreement. 
legislators during last week's Thursday Human Resources Committee meeting, and then furthermore at the past week's full board meeting, approved a resolution ratifying the memorandum of agreement already voted on by local 445 main unit members. The contract goes through 2025. County employees and Teamsters local 445 main unit will receive 2% raises annually retroactively for years 2020 to 2022 and effective on January 1st, in 2023, 2024, and 2025. Furthermore, members who did not receive the additional 5% wage adjustments in the collective bargaining agreement that expired on December 31st, 2019, will receive it over the course of this agreement. The county told the Democrat last week that there is also a 10% increase in starting salaries that is being implemented alongside of, but outside of the contract itself. Health insurance was one of the big topics of contract negotiations, Back in May, County Manager Josh Potosi told the Democrat that aside from the occasional exception, such as when the county has trouble filling positions in a certain area, as they did a few years back with the probation department, similar offers are made to most of the unions. Of those options, two separate plans under the New York State Health Insurance Program, or NYSHIP, are offered. One option is to keep the current NYSHIP Empire plan, which family plan costs the county approximately $33,000 per plan and receive 2% annual raises. The other option is to switch the NYSHIP to the NYSHIP Excelsior plan, which has a family plan costing approximately $21,000 per plan, and then, then you'd receive higher annual raises as well as a health reimbursement account. Potosik had said previously that the Excelsior plan, which all new county and union employees have already been going into, sees no network slash doctor differences, but when using services will cost them, quote, a little bit more money out of pocket. Recently, Laborers Local 15 chose to switch all of their county employees to the Excelsior plan. Since they were saving the county roughly $12,000 per plan, they received a one-time 4% raise in 2022, along with 2.5% annual raises and a health reimbursement account funded by the county at $2,000, rising to $2,500 a year in 2024. The new agreement between the Teamsters Local 445's main unit and the county sees existing members staying on NYSHIP's Empire plan. Potosik told the Democrat that he was very glad that they could come to terms on a contract that has been in negotiations for a long time. I thank all those who helped us reach this important agreement, said Potosik. My keen hope is that the salary increases contained within this contract, coupled with the raising of new hire rates by 10%, will also boost the success of our recruitment efforts. Switching over to the Town of Liberty and the Swan Lake Sewage District upgrade, the majority of the board members in the Town of Liberty voted last week to transfer up to $1 million from the town's general fund towards the Swan Lake Sewage District upgrade. Town Supervisor Frank DeMeo said the transfer would help Delaware Engineering produce the engineer drawings that would then allow the town to put the project out to bid. Our concern is that construction costs are not coming down. We've escalated significantly, DeMeo said. The point of this is just to move the project along. We can't hold this project off any longer. The board had approved an $18 million bond resolution last May to upgrade the Swan Lake Briscoe Road Wastewater Treatment Plant. DeMeo said that they're anticipating an interest-free loan for the project as well as a $4.5 million in a New York State Water Infrastructure Improvement Act grant. John Brust of Delaware Engineering agreed that they've seen a significant increase in construction prices the past two years. If the board intends to do the project, the sooner we do it, the cheaper it will be, he said. Supervisor DeMeo was joined by council members John Lennon and Dean Ferrand voting in favor of the resolution, while council members Brian and Vince McPhillips were opposed. 
Brian McPhillips said that while he knows the work needs to be done, transferring up to $1 million from the general fund is too much money when the town hasn't done its budget process yet. I'm just thinking it's a big mistake, said McPhillips, asking whether the board should wait and see if construction costs fall back down from their current high. Councilman Vince McPhillips said he's been opposed to the $18 million price tag for the sewer upgrade from the beginning, and that hasn't changed. As far as using the general fund money, I'm not for it, he said. I will not use everyone's tax dollars to pay for the Swan Lake sewer project. Swan Lake resident and former county legislator for the district, Cora Edwards, said that Liberty has the highest tax rate in New York State, and Swan Lake residents have worked to preserve and enhance Swan Lake and the surrounding parks. She expressed concern that significant development of the area would irrevocably change the character of Swan Lake. By the time all is said and done, there will be more residential units in the tiny Swan Lake sewer district than all the residential units in the town of Liberty combined, she stated. Swan Lake will be unrecognizable and unalterable once the sewer expansion is complete, she said. Councilman Lennon said the more people in development would support the sewer district as it means more users are paying into it. They're in the district, so we can't shut them out, and they're going to be coming online at some point, Lennon said. I've been to the plant, and there's no way that the current plant is going to handle that input. To put it off further, given the construction costs and everything else, is just a mistake. That does it for today's Sullivan County Democrat podcast episode brought to you by the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calicoon, New York. Other top stories this week included another meeting of the Roscoe and Livingston Manor School Boards relating to a merger study between the two districts and a new grant going to the county airport. We'll catch up with you next week for more news.